0: The content of this episode is a product of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. The views and ideas presented do not necessarily represent the opinions or policies of NATO and is only reflective of the independent perspective of the NATO Command and
1: Control Center of Excellence. The content presented is not classified and therefore is releasable via open source means.
0: The multi-domain operations requires a level of trust that uh, is currently not present
1: hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the c2 and beyond podcast presented by the nato command and control center of excellence i'm your host today lieutenant colonel frank Hubels. And today i'm joined by dr david s alberts dr alberts welcome to our session thank you dr alberts i'm pleased that despite all your ongoing work you're willing to help us listeners to better understand c2 and that maybe might also refer to your earlier work because i know understanding c2 was one of the earliest work we had here in our center as we originated in 2007 so uh, recently, uh, we as the NATO C2CE, we had a webinar on C2 in multi-domain operations to which you as a uh, keynote speaker contributed. And to me, it appeared very difficult uh, these three days to identify the real keys to master its complexity. And uh, as we also heard during that seminar, uh, part of that complexity are in the terms in the discussions and the briefings itself. There seems to be no common vision on what MDO really entails, Uh, not within the United States, neither in NATO. And uh, to me, and it seems that in the, the U.S. the thoughts are military service oriented and focused on uh, the network-centric warfare ideas, which you developed in previous years. And on the other hand, NATO just started to work on the term centered around a new edition of its main doctrine, the uh, AGP.1. Uh, and it seems that agreed definitions on, of terms, therefore, are lacking. And this leads to a very different scope on which issues we really have to master. And uh, my first question is: Is MDO just old wine in new bags? Could you, what's your opinion on 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 that one?
0: Well, at a certain level, yes. Okay, uh, but if you dig a little bit deeper, I think that uh, the, and the, the emergence of the cyber domain as a major. Uh, arena of conflict, if you will, uh, makes today's operations far more complex and requires far more cross-domain information sharing and harmonization than ever before, uh, whether uh, you're talking about just military or civil military. And the reason for cyber is not a military domain only. It exists in the private sector as well. And the military depends a great deal on uh, cyber capabilities in the public arena in order to function. And so there's that inevitable blurring of civil and military organizations that need to work together. Uh, And that's a quite a bit of a change from perhaps uh, 20 years ago.
1: And and coming to that one, is the whole discussion we have today, doesn't also that reflect something deeper? Uh, What I mean that there is, what about war in our times? Uh, Is there enough awareness of state vulnerabilities? Is there a need, uh, maybe, do we really feel the need for resilience? is that also part of that discussion because you mentioned the civil military interaction is that something we are not used to more to do anymore at the moment is that part of the discussion yeah i I
0: think the nature of if you want to call it the competition continuum uh, is different i think that a lot more hostilities are taking more dangerous hostilities are taking place in what we used to call peacetime and i think that what happens in quote the the sort of pre-combat phase of of operations is far more important today than it was because it the adversary can maneuver in that space and put us at a disadvantage even before uh, actual hostilities begin. Uh, so I think this is good. This goes hand in glove with the complexity of multi-domain operations.
1: And and do you think uh, that our um, that we need more in our toolboxes, both on the military and on the civilian side? And and uh, what do and uh, what do we need then?
0: This is obviously an involved question, but I, I think agility is, is really something that both military organizations and civilian organizations fundamentally lack. I mean, I think they lack an appreciation of what one needs to do in order to prepare for uh, complex and dynamic operations. Uh, I think that n- not only do they need more agility uh, within their own organizations, but they they need to work more agilely with others. And so that's where the idea of C2 agility came in. It's not a new idea, but it's not one that I think has been uh, understood or adopted to the extent that it needs to uh, by anybody. Uh, I think people are just used to organizing in a certain way, and there's a natural resistance to change that. And Agile C2 requires that you actually design your C2 processes and information sharing and your allocations of responsibilities based on the nature of the conflict or the operation. And we have done this to a small extent, but we need to do it to a much larger extent because how we work with others uh, is always sort of a second or third thought and it really needs to be a first thought
1: yeah and the uh, c2 in itself of course is a very military uh, term and uh, and what, what I liked in your uh, in your read ahead article you pro- provided to uh, to the seminar you said uh, today's complex endeavors require on us that is a collection of heterogeneous wees, the ask uh, the task of orchestrating this collective activity falls to C2, both on an enti- entity and on a collective level. So I like I like that statement very much, and I know that the former General Van Loen, uh, who was then commanding the first German Alliance Corps, said, even if they are not willing to integrate, cooperate, or deconflict, we will always communicate. So how to strengthen the complex interface between military and civilian actors. Is there a director in those kind of operations? And who is it? And how to get his acceptance? And again, I know I'm bombarding you with a lot of questions, but this, I think, keeps us really busy. Uh, C2 seen as military, on the other hand, we know we have to work together. And, And as military men, we always like to know who is in command and who is commanding. And I know that, uh, for example, uh, uh, a Swedish uh, um, doctor, Olsen uh, said, um, we need to sit around a campfire and then make a plan. And that's nothing what military men like to do. They want to act as soon as possible. What are your observations on these words?
0: Okay, so there is a lot there. Um- <laughs>
1: There's a lot there, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, first of all, I think that it's important to recognize that there is no one in charge of the collective. By its very nature, that's impossible. And so you're right. You military organizations like someone in charge. And of course, they do have someone in charge of their own organization. And uh, they can decide how they're going to work with others. Uh, I think it's probably a good idea to start practicing on problems, many of the problems that we have today that require civil and military uh, cooperation that are not necessarily conflict or combat, uh, because there are a lot of problems in the world that, that need to be tackled. and. This requires new ways of operating, which are not going to come to people uh, by reading a book. And so they need to, to sort of create either experiments or they need to try it out. I mean, one of the large areas that is obvious is cyber defense. And if military and civilian organizations can't work together to defend the cyberspace they depend upon uh, for both of their operations, then it's going to be pretty ugly uh, when the situation arises and that uh, cyberspace is contested. Uh, So that's a good first area to try to gain some experience with working with others when there is no one in charge.
1: And how will you uh, achieve acceptance of each other's roles?
0: Well, I mean, they either accept each other's roles <laughs> or they don't work well together <laughs> and, and they fail. I mean, I, I think if the specter of failure is hanging over your head, uh, then you may be more willing to you know, accept the fact that there is no one in charge, that they have responsibilities, uh, and the military has responsibilities. And both both organizations need to, at a minimum, deconflict. But in the case of cyber defense, they need to, at a minimum, cooperate. Otherwise, uh, they're not going to be able to defend the cyberspace
1: they need. But do we have that time? Uh, do we all feel that urgency? Because I think cyber operations are going on. Whilst we speak,
0: exactly, and and so I have been. There was a book written uh, back in nineteen ninety six, I think it was. That was called Defensive uh, Information Warfare, and at the time uh, it was published, uh, there was probably ninety nine percent of the Defense Department thought it was science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and and they they didn't see any need to do this. Okay, today, I, based on my talking to lots of people, it is still an underappreciated problem. I mean, I think people say it in words. Yes, there's a cyber contested environment, but the way that they respond to that is far from adequate. And part of it is that uh, there are different chains of command for cyber operations than there are for kinetic operations. And that quote, little teeny multi-domain problem is just not well uh, managed. So, I mean, it would be great to just harmonize uh, cyber and kinetic operations and get an idea of how you sort of work cross domains uh, as an example. I mean, I think it would be easier to do within a military organization at first. But once you do that, you're going to quickly realize that there's that whole part of cyberspace out there that military does not own, but needs. And it's going to require that sort of extending that model to that uh, a larger enterprise.
1: But I think, in my opinion, there's also a duplication of efforts within the services.
0: Well, there so, is, sure. It,
1: it, it's not about, it, it's also about effectiveness and efficiency, that that, that they, they also don't always go together.
0: That's true. And I personally believe that we put too much emphasis on efficiency because if you think about it, agility is about being prepared to do things that may not happen. And cyber defense is about doing things that may not happen. And therefore, you're investing resources in things that may not happen. But the problem is that if they happen then you haven't invested the time and effort to deal with that, or the resources for whatever equipment and hardening and coordination you need, uh, then you're in a very bad place. And it's the same as having reserve forces that you never call upon, but if you didn't have them, you would be taking on way too much risk.
1: But risk in itself is awareness if you're not risk-aware, you will do nothing. Right. And, and during our, our seminar, uh, which, which was dedicated to the current challenges for C2, you mentioned and promoted uh, the use of technology uh, in, in, in the current and the complex endeavours we are confronting. And uh, what nice was in our own Future of the Command Post studies, we found out that the current senior leadership at the joint level uh, is to a high degree willing to embrace it. And human-machine teaming in decision-making could be a solution, and uh, because then you use the best characteristic of both worlds, machine and human, to the best effect. What are your thoughts on this collaboration between humans and machines, and how to achieve that trust? Because we j- just mentioned trust between humans. Okay. And, but how to achieve trust between machines and humans?
0: Right, that's exactly the point I was about to to make, so I'm glad that that you raised it. Uh, The multi-domain operations requires a level of trust that uh, is currently not present. Uh, Machine-human teaming requires a level of trust that is not currently present uh, in order to take full advantage of those capabilities. Uh, In the cyber domain, the speed at which things happen is far different than in the physical domains. And so we have no choice but to trust our systems. But in order to develop that trust, we need a lot more practice and experimentation than we currently do uh, have uh, or we currently employ. sort of work into our daily lives and the second thing we need is to essentially think very carefully about what decisions we are leaving to the machine so we understand what their role and responsibilities are versus our role and responsibilities. Uh, It's something that we've always had a problem with in The different echelons of military organization that in some organizations, higher levels don't trust lower levels to do their jobs. And so they tend to want to micromanage. And that has been a continuing problem. Well, the same is going to be true when humans and machines work together. Humans may try to micromanage the machines and that will not lead to a good outcome. So this whole concept of experimentation is really, really important for people to gain the appreciation of what your partners, whether they're human or machine, can do and what you can rely upon them to do.
1: Now, you, ju- you just mentioned um, that higher and lower levels don't trust each other. It, it's, it's, it's a nice remark because in NATO, the main approach to C2 is mission command, <laughs> so that, that, that gives us also something maybe with our relationship with machines, do what, what they are best suited to do. Um, many years ago, you introduced and described the term complex endeavors. We already mentioned it during uh, our podcast, uh, and you uh, used it to describe characterize the current operations of the military and based on that, define C2 requirements. And do you opinion, because I've got that feeling that the term multi-domain operations is insufficient, fake, or too broad, and that maybe using the term complex uh, complex endeavors still might be more suitable? I
0: always thought it was suitable. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: it's it's been around for a while, and I I think if you look at the definition of it, it describes the the more challenging multi-domain operations that we would do today. I think that the term multi-domain operations can be construed too narrowly, uh, like air land battle or something like that, and that. I think if you solve the little problem and ignore the big problem uh, then I don't think you're properly prepared for the environment in which we live today.
1: Yeah, of, of course I, I ask this for a reason because it's also my opinion because I don't think the term itself really reflects the societal dimensions of uh the current uh, situation and uh, the current uh, military operations we're in, even in peacetime. And the other thing I think, but that's, again, a personal opinion, is that we might just go with the flow and use the current attention for MDO to better analyze the C2 requirements of current operations, which you, I think, uh, very well described in your books and uh, you're still working on currently In, for example, the SES 143. So I think uh, dependency depends on the endeavors you're in.
0: Correct. And, you know, I've been doing this for a while and the terms seem to change every couple of years. Uh, But the ideas underneath them really endure. And so I don't really care what they call things as long as they're Paying attention to the important problem. And I think multi domain, if, if, even if you look at two domains, you still have to meet challenges that we do not do a good job of meeting today. So we're making progress. It's just, I, I would prefer they sort of realize that there is a, a much more, uh, Complex problem out there, they need to deal with uh, and not develop a solution that's not going to, as as some people would call it, scalable. So, uh, you need scalable solutions, uh, uh, particularly since, uh, you know, if we face any real conflict uh, with the uh, adversaries that we have today, it's going to be far more complicated uh, than previous conflicts, given, as you say, the the whole sort of hostility throughout that competition continuum. uh, Because we're not, I don't think we're adequately meeting the cyber and information, warfare-related challenges, our society is subjected to.
1: Because somehow I also got the feeling that introducing ever more domains in the end is counterproductive, because you don't uh, really find ways of synchronization and harmonization, because, uh, as I once overheard, that domains are used to provide generals with their own offices, own means and nicer uniforms. And I think it might increase the complexity of the operating environment. What are your thoughts about that one?
0: Well, I think the domains come from the problem. (laughs) And if the the problem requires, you know, coordinating effects across multiple domains, as you pointed out before, the dependencies, that it's the dependencies that drive the nature of the enterprise that's needed to solve the problem. It's not the enterprise that decides how complex the problem is.
1: It's about how we organize it to deal with it. <laughs> um, you also stress the importance of synchronization. And despite its Greek origin, it's not only in time, but also in space and uh, effects of operations in one domain. Into uh, with, with the other domains, and I would prefer the call also to use a term like calibration, and achieving this wide synchronization falls to C2, but what is the inher- inherent challenge to synchronizing across physical, virtual, and social domains?
0: Okay, so the challenge There are two challenges I see. One is to develop enough shared awareness so that you have a basis for making decisions that consider the effects of your decisions uh, in domains other than your own. That's one. And the second challenge is recognizing that there's going to be on a scale of sort of forced synchronization to self-synchronization, that it's a lot more self-synchronization is going to take place. Now, mission command, if it's done properly, recognizes that, okay? The problem is that it's done properly uh, rarely, okay? And so we, we, we have the philosophy, right? We just haven't implemented it uh to the extent that i think it should be
1: and as you as you state there is a, a complex balance between uh, leadership style habits codes uh, the business styles and uh, all kind of legal and procedural arrangements uh, i wonder whether uh stressing citizenship could help in this in this respect do you see a role for that one
0: uh i didn't quite catch the question what citizenship? chair
1: um, that you're all part of a bigger society. And yes,
0: absolutely. The problem is bigger than you. It's bigger than your smaller organization.
1: The we. It's the, the we, we again. again. Right.
0: And you know, all the major problems we face in the world require that.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, th- this might be a very uh, different uh, question in, uh, or, or even statement in the current European discussion. I sense a neglect of the need to have hard military means. So hard power, including more developed uh, electronic warfare devices as a kind of deterrence, to enable other instruments of state power. So the soft powers, which though might have a physical effect. Do you concur with that observation or statement? So you're,
0: you're saying that you think you need to develop more hard power
1: uh, no bo- bo- both ways both ways it it is it, it, if you because in the discussions it seems that people are stressing uh, more means for hybrid or for information warfare but that it also comes with deterrence and deterrence is also based on hard power well
0: there's
1: it, it, it's both. I think it's both it's both ways yes uh, to- so people think they don't have to invest uh, in defense anymore because we have other means to influence other societies, but that the, the, the military means are still needed or might even be have to be reinforced in the current situation.
0: Well, right. As you know, deterrence is based on somebody else's perception of what, what you can do and, and whether you're willing to do it. And I think if you look across all of the Sort of quote means of power or software
1: instruments of power.
0: Instruments of power. You you can sort of see some in which there's an imbalance between offense and defense, and uh, it requires a balance between either offense or defense or a recognition that. Um, one does not want to go there in order to create the deterrence you need. Right now, there's no, uh, no adequate deterrence against a cyber attack, uh, given that we're subject to it constantly. Okay. Uh, and so that creates a problem. The military solution to the cyber deterrence has not worked today. Because states have not taken military action in response to cyber attacks, so there's no credible deterrence there. Uh, I'm not arguing you should. I'm just recognizing that that that's not the solution. So therefore, in order to deter a cyber attack, means that you need an effective response to deter it, and that may or may not be. Uh, offensive cyber, uh, or it may be economic or political or other pressure. But our our whole sort of balance is out of whack because the cyber capability has developed more quickly than our uh, political and strategic response to it.
1: Could you elaborate more on the pitfalls of technologies? Uh, This was a, a topic not addressed in our seminar. And in your seminar, Read Ahead, you say that as we today judge our human team members, we have to do the same with machines. And how can we achieve that judgment? And how to, do, to educate our current and future leaders to do so?
0: Well, I mean, our organizations are contain people of multiple generations, right? And different generations are more or less familiar with uh, and used to technology. And so what my son would feel comfortable doing is not what I might feel comfortable doing. Uh, and, And so we need to sort of make people at different levels of the organization much, much more aware of the powers and limitations of technology and uh, either that or they have to delegate those decisions to people who are more comfortable with it uh, again it's a matter of trust right um, we all know as we set up this conference that technology is nowhere near perfect it's not automatic it requires uh, uh, experience Uh and uh, the, the same is true for uh, lots of technologies. I mean, pilots took a long time to trust airplanes to land themselves. Uh, but they do that now every day. Uh, so there's hope. It's just a question of gaining the experience we need.
1: Yeah, I remember that Dr. Brill of the uh, your USA Air Force Laboratory was in our 2018 seminar and he linked uh, trust to awareness of your own uh, vulnerabilities so that the presence of some risk is essential and i think we discussed that uh, before as well Um, i'm about to conclude Um, as we discussed the endeavor at hand and i like the term endeavor is a societal one and uh, i think also currently there's no peace time and there are no clean departments And a war which has not been fought for a long time in our cities is not different from that one. And you expressed that C2 is an enabler to get the most out of the available means provided. But it's more than just efficiency. It's also about the people's will to engage and to engage with each other. Um, How to reach out with your ideas with all the truths in it to those influences and those decision makers outside the military, are, are are they aware of your thoughts?
0: I have tried over the years to figure that out. Um, I think that the language in some of the books is essentially tuned to military institutions because that's who I was working for and that's who I was trying to influence Uh, but I think that some people recognize the uh, applicability of it to governance and management, multinational institutions and things like that Uh, and I have not yet found a way to get their attention Uh, I've tried to sort of develop a partnership with um with the institute and uh organizations that are trusted in the business community uh but i haven't succeeded um i'm not sure i mean perhaps nato has forums in which uh the military and civilian sectors come together to discuss mutual problems. I don't know that they do, but if they did, that might provide an ample opportunity. Uh, I've not raised the question with Sweden because uh, they offer another possibility. I think that their concept of uh, operations does include civil military organizations. uh, And your question just made me think of that. but that's something I would really like to do if I had the opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. because I think there are not many people who teach strategy. And, and I think also NATO is struggling with how to build in resilience into its societies of the member nations. And I think there's still a lot of truth in if you want peace, prepare for war. But we are not ready, I think, for that one. So... Thank you, Dr. Alberts, for your precious time. Is there anything you might want to add? Because uh, I am very aware that the topics I raised in the conversation, uh, I did a lot of framing, so my excuses for that one. But is there anything you want to add to what I already asked?
0: Uh, No, but I I think that we could, together... uh, do a better job of reaching the C2 community as a whole, internationally. I know you focus on NATO, uh, but I think we need to look to next year perhaps and see if we could sort of collaborate on some events that uh, try to reach the broader community if we could. So let's think about that in, in response to your sort of... Last question.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Alberts, and uh, have a nice weekend. Thank you very much. You too. Bye bye. Good night. This has been a production of the NATO c 2 cwe and for more information regarding today's episode or any C2 topic, please visit us at c2ce.org or any social media platform.